Well, hi there, folks. Welcome to the program brought to you, of course, by Midas Gold Group, MidasGoldGroup.com. Now's the time to put your money into precious metals if there ever was a time. Hey, the World Economic Forum is now well underway in Davos, Switzerland. This is literally a convention of the evil villains. What do these global elites want to do? What is their end goal? Honestly, I think it's taking over the world. I don't say that lightly either. It's not a joke. I think what these people want is complete control. They want to depopulate the earth, take control of everything, and ultimately make billions of dollars. That's what this is about. You control the food supply. There's a war on farmers going on. But in the end, it's a war on humanity that we're really seeing from these global elitists in Davos. I'm going to play a bunch of clips today from them to show you just how outrageous they are. And then, thankfully, some freedom-loving patriots showed up in Davos to push back. And we will hear from them as well. So uh, with that, let's get the show started. Uncensored and unapologetic. This is Stenchfield. Here's your host, Grant Stenchfield. All right, folks, it is great to be along with you. So I told you, the evil villain convention underway in Davos, Switzerland. And when you hear what they want to say, and you hear what they do say, and you hear what they want to do, I'm left thinking this is literally a plot out of some superhero comic. These people must be stopped. We must push back. In the end, they talk about open borders. They want a, a, a new one world order. Not my words. That's what Klaus Schwab says. Klaus Schwab, the leader of the Ill, evil villain convention. One world order, open borders. We see it already happening in Europe. This is why they're pushing the open border situation in the United States. They want the free flow and migration into the most successful countries in the world. Why? To destroy those countries. So this global economic train that they call it, it's a freight train, by the way, and it's going to steamroll all of us if we don't do something about it, uh, can take over the global economy. That's what they talk about. Don't forget this idea of a global digital currency. We'll get into that a little bit on the program today as well. Why? Well, global digital currency allows them to track your every move. Um, But first, just just show you how out of line they are. This woman is an environmental activist, to say the least. I want you to hear what she says about ecocide compared to genocide or murder. Ecocide uh, apparently is the real threat that we all face now. Listen. I mean, ecocide as a word is becoming more, it's becoming better known around the world. And the concept is generally mass damage and destruction of nature. Um, But legally speaking, um, what our organization and other collaborators aim to do is to have this recognized legally as a serious crime. Because one of the issues that sort of pervades all of this discussion. Wait, hold on a second. Ecocide, recognize it as a crime. But what she's going to tell you is a crime is not dumping chemicals in a stream. Now, I would consider that ecocide. That should be uh, a crime. Her crime is fishing, farming, having cattle on your land. That's the crime that she's talking about, not dumping pollutants into a reservoir is that we have a kind of cultural, very ingrained habit of not taking damage to nature as seriously as we take damage to people and property. Um, and- so we should take damage to nature as seriously as we do damage to people and property? I don't think so. You murder my loved one, 
That's about as serious as it gets. And it's far more serious than cutting down some redwood trees in California. It's far more serious than than digging up the ground in search of fossil fuels, which they want to do away with. You murder a family member of mine, that is the most serious crime you can commit for me personally. You rape a child. Far more serious than deforesting uh, the jungles in in Central America. Uh, I I don't want to deforest the jungles in Central America, but the murder of a human being, genocide, these kinds of things... Uh, far greater of importance for humanity than any kind of environmental crime she can come up with. And remember, when I talk about deforestation or drilling, her crimes are farming, cattle ranching, fishing, those kinds of things. That's what she thinks is a crime. Matt, I mean, you know, if you're campaigning for human rights, at least you know mass murder, torture, all of these things are serious crimes. But there's no equivalent in the environmental space. Um, and so, and, and you know, unlike a an international crime like genocide that in, involves a specific intent. With ecocide, what we see is actually what people are trying to do, what businesses are trying to do, is make money, is, you know, is farm, is fish, is do all of these things that are um, you know, producing energy and so on um, as well. To all these things that produce energy, farm and fish, how dare you? Do things that will produce energy, human energy, by the way, because we do have to eat in order to survive. But she wants us to do away with all of those things. Do you see the ridiculousness of this? Do you see the evilness of this? It's it's not funny. It's evil what they are doing and what they are pushing. But what's... It, what's missing is the awareness and the conscience around the side effects, around the collateral damage that happens with that. Collateral damage for farming and fishing. The only collateral damage from farming and fishing is if I eat more vegetables and fruits, I'm going to be healthier than I am pounding down a package of Cheetos. So I would rather have meats, fruits, vegetables, poultry, dairy, all of those things. But that, of course, is a crime in Davos, Switzerland. Which then brings us to how do you hunt down the people committing the crimes? That's you. You're the ones committing the crimes. You're eating the beef cattle at the steakhouse or the roast beef sandwich from Jersey Mike's. You're the criminal in all of this. How do you track them down? Well, the answer to that, of course, is um, a digital currency. Listen. We're developing, through technology, an ability for consumers to measure their own carbon footprint. What does that mean? That's, where are they traveling? How are they traveling? What are they eating? What are they consuming on the platform? So, individual carbon footprint tracker. Mm. Stay tuned. We don't Mm. have it operational yet, but this is something that we're working on. Oh, Mm, an individual Carbon footprint tracker. Where are you going? What are you eating? How did you get there? Um, They're going to track our every move. And then what happens when we don't get there the way they want us to get there? What happens when I fly on a plane instead of ride my bike to California? Um, Social credit score, like China has. If you don't behave the way they want you to behave, then your credit score gets knocked down. They won't give you an ability to take a loan out. 
All kinds of things will happen from a social credit score. Just listen to this guy again. We're developing through technology an ability for consumers to measure their own carbon footprint. What does that mean? That's where are they traveling? How are they traveling? What are they eating? What are they consuming on the platform? Oh, I get to track that myself? No, what that means is they get to track that. You might get to get the insight in it, but you already know how you got there. You don't need to track it. They're tracking you because they want to nefariously nefariously punish you if you don't act in a certain way. It is a social credit score. This is what these lunatics in Davos are all about. So let's be clear about something. They believe in depopulation. All right. They say we're, we're too populated. <clears throat> so they want to cut back on farming. In the end, over the long run, you cut back on farming, food, and cattle. People will die. They're okay with that. They want an open, open society, open borders throughout the world, a global economy. But their global economy is led, of course, by China. China comes into this World Economic Forum and basically says, oh, <coughs> we're, we're going to control the global supply chain. Oh, they're so nice. Thank you, China. No, if China continues to control the global supply chain, they're in control. And who is China cozied up with? Klaus Schwab at the World Economic Forum, the leaders of these big central banks, the big hedge funds like BlackRock. China's in bed with all these people because they're all in cahoots together. These people are not in touch with what you and I are going through, which makes it all the more offensive of this meeting in Davos, Switzerland, that they all fly in on their private jets to. Speaking of which, Bill Gates is going to tell us what he wants to stick in our bodies. We will have new vaccines. We'll have a, a TB vaccine malaria vaccine, HIV vaccine, and even the things like COVID vaccines, we need to make them have longer duration, more coverage, uh, and we're gonna change instead of using the needle to use a little mm. patch. Uh, so the pandemic really highlighted that we've been underinvested in those innovations. Oh, thank you so much, Bill Gates. What a guy, what a guy Bill Gates is. Going to give us more vaccines that last longer with longer durations. They can stick into our bodies to do Lord knows what. I'm tired of being a guinea pig. But that's what Bill Gates is going to offer up to us. Well, not everybody is happy about all of this. Somebody who's not happy about it is uh, a a European farmer. And he was interviewed about this... um, this quest, this war on farming that is going on globally. Listen to what he had to say. I thought I'd play it for you because he's good. Because Klaus Schwab telling people to eat insects, but he also say at the end you will own nothing and still be happy. But Mr. Klaus Schwab will own everything. So the story, he will never eat the insects. He will force the poor people to eat insects and fake foods and produce hyper, uh, hyper-produced foods, you know, with a lot of... Um, chemicals inside and or yeah and they force the the the, the po- yeah poverty of upon people will, will, will bring them to the fact that they have to buy this kind of food because they can't afford the rest and uh, by by 
breaking down family farms in the Netherlands, food security will be uh, at high stakes. So it is like uh, communism where they take from the they take from the poor people and only the rich people, the elite, they, they are the ones with all the power. Well, actually, and it's very and it's very painful to say, but the free and democratic country known all over the world that we have very free laws and very free people that travel yeah. everywhere and make agreements all over the world are now forced in some sort of pattern that we are yeah is your communism can be, it sounds like communism uh, they Cli- are climate climate communism climate communism <laughs> <they> <laughs> it's a good line climate communism is right totalitarianism marxism whatever label you want to put on it you know what it is it's government control that is run by the elites the ruling class that is not you and me we're the ones that are under the thumb so that gentleman was very smart klaus schwab will tell you to eat bugs and like it, but he's never going to be the guy eating bugs. He'll tell you you got to drive a green vehicle, and now we're seeing in the United States with this Arctic cold blast across the country, we've got lines of Tesla vehicles and electric vehicles all over the northern states and southern states here in Texas. The battery charges do not last in the cold weather. I don't mind electric vehicles. I think there's a certainly a, a, a use and purpose for them, but don't make me buy them. So that gentleman is is very, very smart. Somebody else who is very, very smart is President Millet of um, Argentina, the new president. He went to the World Economic Forum and he stuck it to them right in their faces. I'm going to play that for you. But before I do, folks, I want to tell you about my friends at Midas Gold Group. MidasGoldGroup.com is the website I want you to go to. Everything we're talking about on this program leads me to believe you've got to have some money in precious metals. How much that is, you've got to talk to Midas Gold Group about that. 855-322-GOLD, 855-322-GOLD. I was talking about China. What is China doing? China is buying up gold right now in record numbers. There are some questions about the amount of gold left in the Federal Reserve in Fort Knox. How much gold is actually there? I'm calling for the gold. The United States uh, on hand stock of gold should be audited. I want to know because I'm very, very fearful. It's not as much as we think. Another reason we should be buying gold. Then you look at the inflation and the privacy, safety, and security. You heard me just play that soundbite of of a global currency. It's going to track your every move. Can't do that with gold. MidasGoldGroup.com. MidasGoldGroup.com. We thank them for this sponsorship of uh, this podcast. All right, I told you I would play um, President Millet from Argentina. Uh, Online does some great work. They put together this little montage of a bureaucrat from Canada pushing to her cohorts at the World Economic Forum the exact opposite of the things you and I believe in, the exact opposite of what President Millet believes in. So I'm going to play this. It's her and then him, and then her, and then him. Well, let's, let's just uh, take a listen. Canada is absolutely determined that decarbonization for us will mean more jobs, more growth, more manufacturing, and we recognize government needs to play a role to make that happen. Today, states don't need to control means of production to control every aspect of individuals' lives. With tools such as monetary issuance, debt, subsidies, interest rate control, price controls, and regulations to correct alleged market failures, 
they can control the destinies of millions of human beings. This is how we have reached the point where, with different names or forms, good parts of the politically accepted offers in most Western countries are generally collectivist variants. Whether they openly declare themselves as communists, fascists, Nazis, socialists, social democrats, national socialists, Christian democrats, Keynesians, neo-Keynesians, progressives, populists, nationalists, or globalists. In the end, there are no substantive differences. Everyone argues that the state should control all aspects of individuals' lives. All define a model contrary to the one that led humanity to the most spectacular progress in its history. So, he's correct. Don't let the funky hair fool you with Malay. The funky haircut doesn't doesn't tell the message. What tells the message are his words, his passion, his beliefs. That the greatest form of, of government, the greatest form of economics is, of course, capitalism and certain forms of a democracy. That is what moves the ball forward. Freedom, liberty, individual liberty, small government, limited government. Government should not be controlling the means of production. That is socialism. That's what they're pushing for uh, inside the World Economic Forum. Um, President Malay here. Let me see if I can get that continued. Far from being the cause of our problems, free market capitalism as an economic system is the only tool we have to end hunger, poverty, and destitution throughout the planet. And Canada is an open economy. We are a trading nation. Um, We're very proud to be able to say we are the only G7 country that has a comprehensive trade deal with every other G7 country. We have put in place a system of investment tax credits um, really to be comparable to the IRA. And we now have a suite of policies for the industrial transformation worth about $120 billion. So come invest in Canada. We believe that we have to hustle. Invest in Canada will give you subsidies. It's the exact opposite of what I believe in when you talk about a free market society. Government shouldn't be picking winners and losers. But that's what they're doing in Canada. And I would argue that Canada's economy is not in any great shape or form. The issue is that social justice is unfair and doesn't contribute to general well-being. On the contrary, it's an inherently unfair idea because it's violent. It's unfair because the state is financed through taxes and taxes are collected coercively. Or can any of us confidently say that they pay taxes of their own free will? It's really important that trade policies work for people and that they don't work for people though trade policies end up working for the businesses and governments that they're making the deals with but not the people so just just listen to what president malay says do you know anybody that pays taxes willingly that they feel like it's fair never never now i understand you have to have some form of taxes you have to run a country there's certain things that the nation needs to be involved in like national defense the free flow of commerce. You've got to build roads, airports, bridges, these kinds of things, so an economy can flourish and function. And then you've got to have laws that are made so we don't have the Wild West. 
regulation comes into play when there are two or more people involved in a deal and one or more of those people don't get a say. When one or more people don't get a say in a deal, that's when you need regulation. I'm okay with that. I'm not saying no regulation, but only in times when, when that comes into play. You don't need to regulate something where two people are making a deal and they both get a say. But that's what government does. It sticks its nose into too many things. Here's this Canadian official again going down the wrong path. That would be sort of my final comment speaking for Canada. Um, but really, I think this applies to the whole world. Um, as we build our economic policies, whether they are trade policies or investment attraction policies or industrial policies, at the end of the day, the question we have to ask ourselves is, will this make the life of the people I represent better? Those who promote social justice start from the idea that the economy as a whole is a cake that can be distributed in a different way. But that cake is not given it is wealth that is generated in what, for example, Israel Kirshner calls a market discovery process. We're, we don't have government. So they want to take the cake and give it around. That's what she's advocating for. You start with a cake, you divvy it up, and you spread it out equally to people. But that's not how it should work. There should be somebody actually baking the cake, multiple cakes, and the person who bakes the best cake can charge more for their cake. Right? And if there's... Too many cakes, well, then the price of the cakes comes down. But you don't need government getting involved, limiting the number of cakes that can be made. The market will take care of that. Deciding what you put in the cake. The markets will take care of that. If it doesn't taste good, it's not going to sell. Government wants to control every aspect of this. Sadly, this is happening in America today. We'll finish this up. Bureaucrats invest these $15 billion. We have professional investors do it. But their job is to fill that gap between what, to, to really to de-risk for private capital. And that $15 billion is being invested. De-risk for private capital? No, I want risk in private capital. The greater the risk, the greater the reward. If it's a viable option to make money on, y'all find investors for you. If it's a stupid idea, well, I'm not going to be able to find investors. But what, the government is going to back a stupid idea yes that's what many of these subsidies in canada are all about and in america too by the way alongside private capital to make projects work free countries are 12 times richer than repressed ones saying goes that in countries with freedom people live better than 90 percent of population in repressed countries the capitalist the successful entrepreneur is a social benefactor who contributes to the well-being of society as a whole. In short, a successful entrepreneur is a hero. This is the model that we are proposing for the future of Argentina, a model based on the fundamental principles of libertarianism, the defense of life, freedom and property. Don't let anyone say ambition is immoral. If you earn money, it's because you provide a superior product, better price, contributing to well-being. Do not yield to the advance of the state. The state is not the solution. The state is the problem itself. That is- Amen. President Malay, thank you. I would love a guy like that in the United States. Oh, wait, we got one, Donald Trump. Donald Trump's the guy that believes in all of those things. Think about that. President Malay goes into the belly of the beast, the World Economic Forum, the evil villain convention, 
and he basically thumbs his nose at them, spits in their face, and says, you know what? Capitalism is the cure to our problems. Entrepreneurs are the heroes in the world. They create jobs and opportunity. They take risk so other people can benefit. You know, all the way down to my first business I ever bought, my lube shop, Quick Car of Irving. Bought the property with it. Got about 12, 15 guys working there. I take a risk. But my risk that I take employs 12 to 15 people and more because, remember, I'm taking in product from Valvoline and and other places like that. In order to supply me the products, Valvoline and the distributor has to have employees. And yes, I know the left hates the idea, but it trickles down. And that's why I think it's a great line that entrepreneurs are the heroes of society. They really are. Um, These guys, like Tony Blair, most certainly are not the heroes of society. He thinks he knows better than all of us. And, And again, I'll say it over and over and over again. The difference between a liberal and a conservative is this. A conservative believes they know what's best for them and their families. A liberal thinks government knows what's best. Tony Blair, uh, sadly, is a liberal. He sounds like one here. And, and I also think this, this issue to do with the technology and the digital infrastructure, I just want to emphasize how important I think that is. Because in the end, you, 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 you need the data. You need to know who's been vaccinated and who hasn't been. Some of the vaccines that will come on down the line will be multiple. There'll be multiple shots. So you've got to have... For reasons to do with the healthcare more generally, but certainly for a pandemic or for, um, for, for vaccines, you've got to have a proper digital infrastructure. And many countries don't have that. In fact, most countries don't have that. Whether he's talking about vaccines or whether or not he's talking about whether you bought electricity to run your car or oil to buy your car, he's talking about a digital system to track you. Same thing as the guy was talking about earlier on in the program today. They want to track your every move and create a social credit system that only the people that behave in their eyes will be free from the tyranny of government. But then even them are really under tyranny. Even if you're complying with government, you're still under tyranny because you're doing something that may not necessarily be your choice. You're only doing it because you don't want to be punished. That's not freedom. That's not what this country was built on. Our founding fathers went up against the the greatest, strongest force army there ever was when it was uh, the, the, the crown of England. And they won to give us this opportunity. People like to say, oh, the experiment called America. America's not an experiment. Fuck that. America's the solution. America's the idea to follow. America is the greatest nation on the, on the face of the earth because of the founding fathers' principles of freedom, liberty, capitalism, entrepreneurship, risk versus reward, all of those things adding up into a very, very successful nation. They want to break it down, man. I'm telling you they want to break it down, and to me, it's absolutely frightening. Um, before I let you go, though, folks, I want to play this. I, I love these guys over at Rebel News. They confronted, uh, he's like a huge executive at BlackRock. BlackRock, by the way, there's evidence now, Larry Fink was giving money, he's the CEO, giving money to uh, Nikki Haley, 
that should tell you anything. I got another podcast out. You should check it out. Tricky Nikki, the Nikki dossier. We go all through her. We get into some of this. But BlackRock in bed with China, not helping matters. We say we need to be decoupling from China. The message at the World Economic Forum was not decouple from China, but partner with China. Very, very bad move. That would be like partnering with your enemy. So anyway, our friends at Rebel News caught up with this big-time executive at BlackRock. Why is BlackRock above scrutiny? Why don't they answer people's questions? Even Klaus Schwab says that the establishment's reputation is in tatters and you need to rebuild trust. Do you think being stony silent on these questions rebuilds trust? Which private jet did you come on today? (laughs) Which which private jet? Which private jet did you come on today? They asked this of John Kerry, too. Do you know what your carbon footprint is? You flew in on a private jet, you giant hypocrite. Same thing with these guys. They're all flying in on their private jets, but not for you. You can't take an airline ticket. you got to ride a bicycle from Dallas to L.A. Ask you, have you guys decided to back away from ESG? Larry Fink said he's reconsidered it. What do you think? No, I have to go to my next meeting. I'm I'll walk and talk with you. Yeah, yeah, excuse me. Do you, do you like really running? Now, Larry Fink uh, yeah, yeah. really went deeply into yeah. ESG. What do you think? Do you think the ESG puts yeah. politics ahead of shareholder value? Thank you. Well, e- ESG, environmental social governments, governance, certainly does put left-wing fantasy policy over shareholder value. A company should have one goal in mind, and that is profit. That's it. And the reason I can say this, and you say, oh, well, shouldn't they be worried about consequences? Absolutely, because if they have negative consequences, they're not going to profit. If you get busted polluting the world, dumping chemicals in a river, anything like that, people aren't going to buy from your company. Let people decide. Free markets will do it. The one goal should be profits. How do you find the best way to provide a good service to your customers, a good product to your customers? You got to have good employees. How do you take care of your employees so they can take care of the customers? It's a giant circuit, not environmental social governance, welcoming in transgender this, and I want to have a C-suite that has 60% black and 20% women and 5% Hispanic making numbers instead of just hiring the best regardless of color. But they don't think like that. You're a rock star here, BlackRock. You're a celebrity. You guys run the show here. How much of an emphasis do you put on cultural Marxism and ESG as opposed to shareholder value? I mean, shouldn't Larry Fink do his politics with his own money and just focus on building value for shareholders with BlackRock's money? What would you say to people that uh, argue that BlackRock is one of the biggest threats to democracy? I mean, really, who died and made Larry Fink king? I mean, Larry Fink made Larry Fink king. I mean, let's face it, I'll, I'll be honest with you about BlackRock. They own the world. They're involved in everything. They have bought up these companies. They have ingrained themselves in countries around the world. They are knee deep in it with the Chinese Communist Party. They have great control over many of these world leaders. BlackRock, if you want to talk about the evil villain, BlackRock is the Lex Luthor in this this play right here. So Larry Fink and those people, they made themselves king. It's sad, 
but this guy doesn't even respond. You know, if you're running a huge company like BlackRock, you'd think you'd be intellectually honest enough to have a conversation with these guys. Talk to him about it. I think you would have saved him face rather than just fi- having him fire questions that have been not answering, looking like a dope. Shouldn't Larry Fink run for public office if he has such strong political views? Why is he hijacking investors' money as some sort of hobby? Shouldn't he run for office if that's his true passion? Is there anything BlackRock can't buy? Is there anyone BlackRock can't buy? <laughs> the answer is no to that question. Literally everyone is for sale. Except, of course, us, folks. Present company excluded. President Trump isn't for sale. He's a billionaire, which is one reason why I love the, the thought of him taking back the White House a second time. But, but for the most part, everybody's for sale. Do you come here so you can have secret meetings with politicians that are off the record, not on any lobbyist registry? How many of your friends have been to Epstein Island? Is Davos the new Epstein's <laughs> Island? Don't you think this only hurts the reputation of BlackRock, that you're so secretive that you won't answer basic questions? Doesn't it show that you have contempt for democracy and accountability and transparency? Why is BlackRock? Yes, it does. It does show that you have contempt for democracy. It does look bad that you can't answer basic questions. These questions are not out of line, by the way, either. These are questions on the minds of the American people, of the people in the world. But he refuses to answer. He just walks down the street with a shitty grin on his face. Rock above scrutiny. Why don't they answer people's questions? Even Klaus Schwab says that the establishment's reputation is in tatters. And you need to... Uh, so you get the idea of all of this. Uh, quite, well, I was going to say quite hilarious, but... It really isn't funny. Every one of those questions the guys asked from Rebel News are legitimate questions. They're the questions I want to know. And I'll keep exposing the World Economic Forum for what it is. And that is a global takeover attempt by the richest, most powerful men and women in the world. And their ultimate goal is to do away with all of you, to control the food supply, to control the world through open borders, through chaos. And ultimately, they profit and make billions. That's it. It really is that simple. So as I said, we'll continue to uh, to expose them. Hey, Real America's Voice show tonight, folks. Don't forget about that. Um, 7 p.m. Eastern time. And then, of course, I always urge you, go to my website. Uh, the podcast is up about Nikki Haley. That's getting a lot of publicity because um, we go in deep. Who donated to her campaign? It'll surprise you. Some of the Obama people surrounding her campaign. It's on the website now. GrantStinchfield.com. If you're on Rumble, you can just scroll down on the on the channel and the it's the last video there. I would urge you to watch it as well. Um, and again, I'm so grateful to all of you here. Share the video, like the video, please follow me on social media, Stinchfield1776. Subscribe to the podcast as well. And again, we'll see you on the Real America's Voice Show tonight, 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Stinchfield's Army Rolls.